0: Hello and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to President's Trophy winning avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Arif, we're here. It's playoff time. The Avs won the President's Trophy just as you predicted. I'm not going to take any credit for that because I was naysaying the whole time, but I'm JJ, you're Arif. Let's talk some Avs hockey. I can't believe they did it.
1: Because this is, it's one of those things where like they had it locked up in March and early April. And then that second COVID pause came around and pretty much took a crap on everything they had built. And then they had to start from scratch again. And then they played St. Louis a couple of times and they beat them. Then they lost and they lost again. Then Vegas smoked them. And then, you know, no biggie. They won eight of nine, beat Vegas on the way, smoked LA four times. And here we are. They're your president's trophy uh, champions by literally no points like they tied vegas but they had the tiebreaker on them and i saw a tweet i forget who tweeted it. i'd love to shout him out but how do you feel if you're vegas and you're pissed off because lake tahoe is what cost you the president's trophy now
0: that's a good point yeah that sloppy, that's sloppy crazy. crazy game and i mean you you look back at the season and there's just so much adversity that they overcame right i mean look back at this very podcast that first month of the season I was ripping on them left and right, just saying this is not the team they're supposed to be. They figured it out, became the team they're supposed to be, faced adversity again with that second COVID pause, and overcame it and— again, became that, game, that team you, that they, we were expecting them to be. Like you said, they won five straight, eight out of nine to lock up that president's trophy. So awesome stuff.
1: I mean, the funny thing is we're sitting here talking like they were playing bad coming out of the second COVID pause. Yeah, they were playing bad coming out of the second COVID pause. They didn't have Miko Rantanen. They didn't have Janis Donskoy. They didn't have Philip Grubauer. Like if losing Sam Girard to the first COVID pause was a lot, then what was that? Because Miko Rantanen led this team in goals and points. Jonas Donskoy, yeah, he went through a little bit of a slump, but he was a heavy scorer before the pause. Philip Grubauer, literally that's the entire sentence. Philip Grubauer, like I don't need to say anything more than that. So yeah, they had a struggle out of that second COVID pause. They're the only team that had two of those pauses, yet they still won the President's Trophy. That tells you all you need to know about this team.
0: I can't believe in all the years of the NHL that there's never been, at least not in my research... A tie for President's Trophy. I mean, I know they have a ton of tie breaks, but you'd think in all the years that at least be a dead even lock. There's
1: like. there's always going to be something. They're always going to have some kind of a tiebreaker. They would never let it come to that. And in the end, if it gets all the way down to the end, then Gary Bettman's going to flip a coin, and you know something will eventually will be the tiebreaker. I will say that going to the regulation wins thing is what actually gave the Avalanche the tiebreaker this time around. Because had it not been that, had it been row, which is what it was a couple years ago. Uh, they would have been tied. Then it would have went to the second tiebreaker at that time, which was just most wins in any fashion, and Vegas had Colorado 40-39. to 39. So that RW tiebreaker is what gave the Avs a president's trophy. But you don't know what? They don't ask how. They don't ask why. They just ask if you did it. The Avalanche did it, first one in 20 years. And I understand it's not what they want. The main thing that they want is the is the cup. But this is an accomplishment regardless.
0: Yeah, I like that saying from you. I once had a coach that used to always say, Look at the scoreboard. Does it count pretty goals and ugly goals, or does it just count goals, right? So, yeah, that's, that's a, literally it. Um, so, yeah, you and I were both in the uh, building in Ball Arena last night covering that game. We got to watch it firsthand, see the President's Trophy winning game. So let's just get into the President's Trophy itself. What what does winning the President's Trophy for this team mean to you?
1: It means two things. Number one, home ice advantage. Uh, and I'm going to say the words that Jared Bednar said, I think, seven times in his post-gamer yesterday. It can't hurt. It can't hurt to have home ice advantage. It can't hurt for McKinnon to come back. It can't hurt for Joseph and Comfort to, to heat up. But yeah, it can't hurt to have home ice advantage where you're 16-0-1 in your last 17. Where you won 22 out of 28 games. Uh, not even 28. 21 out of 27 games at Ball Arena because for some reason Lake Tahoe is in my backyard. So that was the Avalanche's home game for some reason. They were 21-4-2. and at ball arena 16 0 and 1 in their last 17 the one loss being an overtime loss to vegas back in early march or whatever these months all kind of are blurred together recently but what the president's trophy means to me is home ice advantage the other thing it means to me is you are the team to catch everybody's watching you because for the last 10 15 20 years of my life every year there's always that one team and think about it think back the Chicago Blackhawks are the beasts of the regular season, and the playoffs all eyes on them. The Washington Capitals, they're out here winning game after year. Here comes the playoffs. We got your eyes on you. Pittsburgh, same thing. Tampa Bay, same thing. San Jose, no matter who wins that President's Trophy, you are the team everybody's looking at. You are the team that everybody wants to beat, which you know could put a lot of pressure on you too, which is why President's Trophy winners don't always win the Cup, if you know, rarely ever. It's happened four times in the last 20 years, one of them being the avalanche. But what it means is you are the talk of the town. You are the team in the NHL that everybody's going to look at. And uh, that's a pretty big accomplishment for Jared Bednar's team that four years ago was the laughing stock of the league. Jared Bednar should have, should have been fired. Joe Sackick, what are you doing? Patrick Wall was right. Like Everything has come full circle in four years in the middle of Uh, this rebuild that, you know, had to take another step back in 2017.
0: I think there's one major caveat that comes with home ice advantage, especially in the hockey world, right? And that's the last change, right? Yes. The home team gets the last change on ice. So I think a lot of people put a lot of stock into it. A lot of uh, other people don't buy too much into that being an advantage whatsoever. What's your stance on the last change? Do you think it's going to benefit the avalanche here?
1: I think it's going to benefit the avalanche of Jared Bednar, continues to grow and develop as a coach and that's not to say that he's not a good coach but that's to say that against Pete Deborn the San Jose Sharks he was outcoached we know this against old man Rick Bonus last year he was out coached every time he comes up into he comes into a series with a coach that has the experience these guys have he gets out coached in simple little things like that and uh, he's only getting better with age he's only getting better as this team gets better because he's growing with them. Uh, last change absolutely matters. And you know what? It's going to help him that the lines he has this year are just ridiculous. Like his team is deep at every single line. You know, it's going to be a total mindfuck to St. Louis when they throw out Ryan O'Reilly. And he's like, all right, Jost, Nichushkin, go shut him down. And they're like, what the, the, can we get McKinnon, Kadri? Can we get one of your top six guys to get them a little tired? And he's like, nope, here's my third line. Uh, And when you're done with them, here's Belmar and Comfer and probably Soderberg. You guys go shut down their top line. So it's going to be something that he can use if he does it properly, and I think it is a big thing, especially in the playoffs because in the playoffs, you are matching and you are coaching on a game-by-game basis. What happens in game one is what you're going to come prepared for game two, which is what we've been talking about this whole year with the regular season. It's hard to sweep a team because after game one, you go back to the drawing board and come in for game two. And even out the series in a two game series because you've now coached and and been able to watch video on everything that went wrong in the first game.
0: Now, how about let's get back to the President's Trophy real quick. I don't want to be negative whatsoever, and I don't want to get this taken the wrong way because I'm super pumped that they won the President's Trophy. Like you said, it was a big step. It's a, an accomplishment of a goal. Like Miko Rantanen said, they checked a box that they had put early in the season, right? And we know what the next box is. But uh, but let's look a little bit into it and. Let me kind of explain why I think there's a bit of an asterisk on this president's trophy, right? There's no secret they didn't play every single team in the league. Understandable. Rather than playing the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins the Tampa Bay Lightning's, they're playing the Anaheim Ducks eight times, the LA Kings eight times. So you see the race at the end of the season between who? two Honda West teams for the President's Trophy. So back to my conversation a few months ago, I think it was at this point. I think the Honda West, while being the toughest division, is also kind of the weakest division. So again, I'm super happy they won the President's Trophy. The points are what they are, and uh, every team is playing an NHL team on any given night. But... I'm just not that excited about a President's Trophy. Do it in a regular season, and I'm all about it. But for me, the only goal and the only thing that matters is, is the Stanley Cup. I really, I, I really don't put too much stock into this President's Trophy win.
1: No, I mean, mean, if they're going to go out and lose in five games to St. Louis, who gives a crap about the President's Trophy? You're not going to be happy about that. You're going to be Tampa Bay of 2019. But I will say this. The third and fourth best teams in the NHL by points are Carolina and Florida. They are in the same division. Then you got Pittsburgh, Washington, and Toronto all tied for fifth, sixth, and seventh. Pittsburgh and Washington are in the same division. Similar to the bubble last year where everybody said, oh, you know, in the bubble, it's a uh, different hockey. It's not the same. We don't want to put a lot of stock into it. Well, you know what? Everybody in that bubble went through the same experience. Everybody dealt with the same cards. It was, was dealt the same hand, I should say. Everybody had to play in this arena in Edmonton or in Toronto in front of no fans, living in a hotel room, uh what was the thing in the backyard? They called it the prison, the prison cell, or the the jail cell, or whatever prison it was yard that they called it. the court prison yard. Thank you, the prison yard. They called it the prison yard because that's all they can do. There was no greenery, there was no nature, there was nothing they could do, and that's why. And I'm just gonna use this as an example because this is one of the teams that suffered. That's why the St. Louis Blues crapped out in the first round against Vancouver. Okay. And that's also why the Avalanche beat Arizona. And that's also why Tampa Bay beat Columbus in fifth overtime in game one. Teams all had to deal with the same things. So now when you look at this regular season, the reason why I sh- I told you those standings is because Colorado and Vegas being at the top means, yeah, they had their own fight going. Carolina and Florida had their own fight going. But every division had those teams at the bottom. You had LA, San Jose, and Anaheim at the bottom. Three teams in the 40s. In the Discover division, you had Detroit and Columbus, and then Chicago in the low 50s. In the Mass Mutual East, you had Buffalo 37, New Jersey 45. Those are a hell of a lot lower than the than the California teams, and then Philadelphia not far behind. In the uh, North division, Calgary, Ottawa, Vancouver 45, 51, 51. So every division had teams to beat up on. Every division had teams that you're going to be fighting for. Um, At the top, Pittsburgh had to play Washington and Boston a total of 16 times. Tampa Bay had to play Florida and Carolina a total of 16 times. Colorado had to play Vegas and Minnesota. It pretty much evens out. So I understand it wasn't done in a regular season, but if you're the avalanche, similar to the Tampa Bay Lightning this year, so many people are talking about Tampa Bay winning a cup in a bubble, that Tampa Bay is coming into this season going, you know what, screw you guys, we're going to do it again just to shut you up. And that's what the Avalanche are going to do next year.
0: It it reminds me a lot of, I guess the NBA would be the best example, or maybe even baseball, right? When a team wins the championship or the World Series, they're the world champions, but they hadn't played the rest of the world, right? So, I mean, of course, in the NBA, you can speculate. I'm sure the Lakers would be any team in the world, but they didn't do so but yet they're still crowned world champions. I, again, I'm not trying to poo-poo but the president's trophy can whatsoever. The, can
1: the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the uh, Nigel Dawes-led uh, whatever-the-hell team in the KHL with 95 year old how, Pavel how Datsuk?
0: Can, how can you award a team the best team in the league trophy when they hadn't pay, played three-fourths of the league? That's, that's all I'm saying. Welcome that's to all.
1: 2021, and I'm going to go back to the point I just made. Fair they're going to, whether they win the cup this year or not, they're going to come out in 2022. They're going to do it again, just to say we did it in a regular year.
0: Hey, I hope so. I hope you're right. Um, but let's look back at the last team to win a President's Trophy. Right, that's in 2001. Also, the last time the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. How does this team compare to that team? Do you think the current team, the 2020 21, I guess it was all just 2021, wasn't it? The 2021 yeah. Avs, how do they compare, especially when it comes to depth, to the 2001 Colorado Avalanche?
1: You know, I always went, I always kind of had this mentality where it's like the 2001 Avalanche are so much better. They're full of Hall of Famers, Patrick was their coach, Foot Bork Blake, Tange Sackett. Right.
0: In my mind, in my mind, maybe the greatest team ever. But then you look well, at it
1: deeper, the, the and, break it down. The 2002 Red Wings that had Luke Robitaille in their bottom six may have something to say about that. As much well, as it I hurts mean, that's what to I'm say saying. that.
0: In my mind, yeah. in my mind, it's the yeah. best team ever. In your mind, you probably think that 2001 Detroit team is because you were living in Michigan. The 0-2 one, yeah, correct. Yeah. Or whatever. Drinking won. the Kool-Aid there. I was here drinking the Kool-Aid on this team.
1: Yeah, I was there Crying and sobbing because Patrick Wall let in six goals in game seven of a must win (laughs) game. So I was not drinking any Kool Aid for that bullshit. But here's the thing the 2001 team is full of Hall of Famers. You want to know why the 2020 21 team is not full of Hall of Famers?
0: Because they're all under 25 years old. Because they're still playing.
1: Where are they going to be in the future? We'll see. Because you have Gerard, you got McCarr, you got Taylor, whatever. That's not even the conversation I want to get into. What I want to get into is. When you look at the Avalanche in 2001 and you kind of break down the line combinations they had, and I know this includes Peter Forsberg who didn't play for the, the second half of the playoffs, but their top line was Tenge, Sakic, and Heyduk. Sakic versus McKinnon. Who's the better player? Who's going to be regarded as the better player at the end of their career? That's up in the air. Probably Sakic, but McKinnon's got a lot of time to do a lot of good things. He's 25 years old. Sakik didn't win his first cup until he was, I think, 31 in 1996. Or might that maybe my math is wrong. He was born in 69, 79, 89, 99. He was 27, so in about a couple years for McKinnon's age. Uh, but Tenge and Hayduk, Landis going to have a better career all around than Tenge. And Rantanen probably is going to be better than old Milan Hayduk.
0: I think those are two pretty comparable players, but I get what you're saying. They're comparable. Saying.
1: They're they're comparable but is Milan Heyduk a consistent 85-point scorer?
0: No, Heyduk was not a consistent 85-point scorer. But that's,
1: that's exactly the case. With Miko Rantanen, you have a guy who can score the amount of goals Heyduk can score. But he's also a far greater point producer. And he's just a bigger, more physical body than Heyduk was. So already in the top line, you got two of this team's forwards that are probably better than that team. Second line, Peter Forsberg, Nazem Kadri, no contest. I love you, Naz. You're my Arab brother, but Peter Forsberg all day, all night, every single time. Andre Burakovsky and Chris Drury. And this is when Chris Drury was playing the wing with Forsberg. Obviously, when Forsberg was hurt, Drury went back to center. But this is, you know, early in his career. Andre Burakovsky, Chris Drury. You would likely say Chris Drury just because he's a more complete player. Um, but Burikos is a pretty good point producer, too. Billy Nieminen and Brandon Saad. I mean, Billy Nieminen is great and all, but Brandon Saad's a playoff performer that has two Stanley Cups. That's an easy decision. And then you get to the third line, and this is where it gets fun because Eric Messier, Stefaniel, and Sean Podine is one of the best lines in Avalanche history, just a good quality shutdown line. But here's the funny thing about that line. if that If those players were this generation players... That would be the Avalanche's fourth line, not their third
0: line. Right. That's a very physical line.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the way the NHL was back then. Your third line was a very physical. It wasn't full of skill. Now with the salary cap, you kind of need to even out your money. And that's why you have, you know, a guy who could have scored 30 goals in Donskoy, Tyson Joe's, who, you know, is is growing and Valerie Nachushkin, who's a good 35, 45 point scorer on your third line. And then you have Comfer, Belmar, and Soderbergh compared to Ryan Precht, Heino, and Dave Reed. I really like that 2001 fourth line, I'm not going to lie. And then Chris Dingman slotted in when Forsberg was out in the playoffs and Hino jumped up to the second line. But it doesn't look that crazy to compare these two teams. The defense is where it gets interesting because you got Taves, McCarr, and Gerrard are your big three. You got Bork, Foot, Blake are your big three. What the 2021 Avalanche version... Of the big three, says to me, is the NHL has changed, as we know, because Borkfoot and Blake would eat them for breakfast, literally, <laughs> just like suck the bones of kill McCarr like a chicken wing, because they are just smaller but way more mobile players. Um, but what would you rather have, Rob Blake taking a slap shot from the blue line or Kale McCarr's wrister from the blue line that finds the net?
0: Yeah, I'll take McCarr, and you know, I think yeah. of the foot McCarr matchup. Imagine foot trying to uh, chase McCarr around the offensive zone.
1: Yeah, and, and this is Adam Foote in his prime. This is an Adam Foote in his second go-around with the Avalanche where he was slowing down. But after the big three, this year's Avalanche, you got Timmins, Graves, Nemeth. And I'm not counting Byram. I'm going to count him as the seventh D, even though he would likely be in there. But you got Timmins, Graves, and Byram compared to Skula, Clem, and Greg freaking DeVries. Skula, Clem, DeVries. Basically, Borkfoot and Blake played 30 minutes a night. By the way, <laughs> looking back at the game scores, I'm not even joking. They play 30 minutes a night for a reason. You take this year's goalies better. Wall versus Grubauer, no contest. Abisher versus Dubnik, to me, also no contest. I like Abisher a lot more. But it's not crazy to compare this team to the O1 team. And I get it, the nostalgia thing. My, my childhood team is so much better than the childhood team of the kids of, of today's age. I get it. If you're a WWE fan, uh, Triple H is always going to be better than whoever the new guy is because that's who I grew up with. I don't even know who the new guy is, but that's who I grew up with. So that's always going to be the person that I love. And that's kind of the thought that you always have about the O1 team. Until you actually write it out side by side, do a comparison, you're like, this isn't so bad. This is a pretty damn
0: good team. I was always a Shawn Michael guy, just so you know, um, sexy boy. But that's what makes this—that's what <laughs> makes this fun, right? This is a perfect podcast conversation because it's you know something we'll never know the answer to, but yeah, it's like like the common question: Who would win, the uh, Chicago Bulls from '98 or LeBron's current Lakers team? Right? No, so- no, no.
1: LeBron is gonna get hit in the pinky and fall on the floor and cry about it, and then the the, the bullies of the '90s, are, you know, whatever. <laughs>
0: But no, I get what you're saying. There's just so much skill, so much talent up and down this lineup. But, you know, I also think you look across the NHL and you can say the same thing for a lot of teams. But I like the comparison. I think you're right, especially when it comes to the defensive group. Crazy to see how much times have changed in just 20 years. But you're right. I want these speedy, mobile defensemen that can move the puck. I mean, we saw Sam Girard get laid out last night by uh, Lemieux, right? Brendan Lemieux smoked him. It was a clean hit. But it was one of the few times you ever really see Gerard get a body on him. And what happened? He popped right back up, was unfazed, and was kind of even ready for the hit. So um, even when you talk about the physical side of the game with these smaller defensemen, it really doesn't compute with me because their speed is so top-notch that they can avoid hits left and right. You
1: ever seen Happy Gilmore, that scene where he goes six more weeks to hockey practice and he goes into the baseball batting cage and just takes balls to the head every single second? It's like, oh, that
0: 364 100. more days. That's what it was. 364
1: tribe. more days to hockey. You're looking like a damn fool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much convinced that that's how Gerard pre- prepares for hockey season every year because that dude's tough as nails, man. He's like four foot nothing, hundred six pounds and he's out here just like taking these hits and popping up if he even takes a hit like you said he's really good at not taking these hits but the other thing that I want to say is here's a good question for you looking at that 2001 roster and take into account salary cap and I only say that because it's a very easy answer to say Patrick Warr Peter Forsberg or whatever if there was one player on that team you can pluck and put onto this team who would it be
0: Oh man, I would probably go with Hayduke just because of his natural ability to score
1: goals. I like that one, but I got a better one. What's the one thing the Avalanche are missing on this team? The the grit, the fighter. Dan Hynote. Hynote? Dan Hynote. jumping. Brendan Lemieux, who was a child when Hynote was playing in in Denver with the Avalanche. Hynote That's the kind of guy. Hainault is
0: take. everything JT Confer is supposed to be. Of course, J.T. Comfort, yeah. you know, especially this week, he found some scoring, and he's got a little bit more of a scoring touch to him than High Note. But in terms of that agitator, you know, I feel like that's what sold me on J.T. Comfort before he got here. He was that gritty guy, not afraid to get yeah. in front of the net, not afraid and to. That's muck how it he up. played in college, right? And in the last year or two, you've really seen that fade.
1: It's kind of the same thing as Landeskog. Landeskog in his younger years was a lot more physical, willing to take more hits, give more hits than he is now. Which, I mean, is smart because unless you're a tank like Alex Ovechkin, you can't play that kind of game. Even Dustin Brown, these other guys that used to lead the league in hits, have had to take a step back from that kind of style. But in Dan Hino, you have a guy who's, number one, I think Dan Hino would fit greatly into this generation's hockey uh, he's got a great personality. He would fit in with the boys on this kind of, you know, in this, of this generation, he's got the speed, the skill, and he's not this like oversized, massive, you know, we're not bringing in Scott Parker, like, Hey, skate around for 60 seconds and try not to fall. Like, this is a guy that can actually play hockey and that's what makes him so good. And, and someone that would fit. And also he works in, uh, he works in Plymouth, Michigan at the USA hockey arena. And he's just a funny guy. When I was there for the, the National Team Development Program thing a couple years ago he was just sitting there cracking jokes. Chris pronger would mock walk by and he's chirping at him. all these GMs and you know, this is when Pronger was working with Florida. all these GMs would walk, by. he's just chirping at them. I'm like, you know you're not in the NHL anymore. These guys can kick the shit out of you and he's just chirping <laughs> at them as they walk by. He's just a funny guy. but that's the guy that I would take because look at the third look at the fourth line I have listed uh, you know that, that we were talking about. It's Soderberg Belmar Comfer. One of those things is not like the other. And it's big ol' Carl. Imagine putting High Note Belmar and, and Comfort on your fourth line. And then Brendan Lemieux takes a run at Sam Girard. <laughs> those dudes are gonna sprint right to him, led by Dan Heino. He's gonna be like, I'm I'm going, I'm going, I got this, I got this, I got this. Like he's gonna like that's the kind of guy that this team needs. And I wish that this kind of a player was available, but it's just a fun little thing, like you said. It's a fun podcast conversation to have to look back at that 0-1 team, um, and it's going to be something in twenty years from now. Some idiots like us are going to look back at the twenty twenty one Stanley Cup champion Avalanche and be like, "What's better? These guys or what we have now?" Oh, did I did I speak too soon? Yeah,
0: no, I, no. I like that you brought that up. I was just you know trying to absorb it. Just thinking about the lines, you know, and watching that game last night, and I see the lines you have written down here. That second line of uh, Saad, Kadri, and Burakovsky. Man, I really like the way Donskoy, Kadri, and Burakovsky have been playing together. And And I really, I don't know. To be honest with
1: you, I like Saad with Natchushkin and uh, and Jost because those are three scrappy guys. Like. Put a couple of skilled European forwards with Nazem Kadri. He can do all the scrappiness on the line. But then you have a third line of Saad, Jost, and Nichushkin just wearing you down. Not a bad line to have.
0: I agree. I agree. I I like looking at this, and it's fun to compare the two teams. And honestly, I I think I'm leaning towards the present team. I think if I had to pick one or the other, this current team just has more speed, more skill. But like you mentioned, you know, with the lack of a guy like Dan Hino, that's what terrifies me going into the playoffs here is you don't have that playoff grit. You don't yeah. have that playoff mentality. Hopefully they can overcome it, but that's what scares the bejesus yeah. out of me about the Golden Knights.
1: And maybe Calvert and O'Connor, if one of those two guys were healthy, they would be able to play that role. But right now you got Soderbergh in that role. Obviously, Soderberg hasn't been playing. It's been Sherwood and, and, and Megna. But that's the guy you have. Uh, those are those are the two guys that you have to play that role. When I look at these lineups, there's only one position, comparing position by position. So Ranton to Heyduk, McKinnon to Sakic, Landeskog to Tangay, and so on and so forth. There's only one that is like an absolute killer, no contest. And I understand Wa is a million times the goalie Grubauer ever will be, but when you compare their numbers from those seasons, like Philip Grubauer is not a terrible goalie.
0: Right, year. they're both right around 92s, yeah,
1: right? 92s and a you know good save percentage, good goals against. Even like when you adjust it by era, Patrick Kwa was in the top 5 in every category that year. Well, Grubauer is doing the same thing. The only no contest is the 2001, the 2021 Avalanche have three all-star potential jersey retirement kind of players on their top line, A couple of Hall of Famers probably. And then they have depth scoring throughout the rest of the lineup. The 2001 team has a second-line center named Peter Forsberg that mops the floor with Nazem Kadri.
0: As long as he's healthy, which
1: he wasn't. Yeah, which he wasn't for the second half of the playoffs. But that's the one position when you look at comparing. Without Forsberg, when your second line was Drury between Niemann and and Hino, then, yeah, that's a little bit more comparable to Kadri, Burakovsky, and Saad, and that's when I would take the 2021 version. But the one position, comparison, name-to-name, that was much better in 2001 than it is now is that forsberg Cadre spot. Because even Taves and Bork, McCarr and Foote, Gerard and, and Blake, uh, Timmins, DeVries, so on and so forth, the seasons that these young kids are having now is pretty comparable to the seasons those guys had.
0: Since Cadri's arrival, have we even seen him out due to injury?
1: Yeah, he missed quite a few. He he had quite a few injuries in 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 the pre bubble twenty twenty season, and it's it's hard to remember that he was actually out the very last game, the game against Buffalo, not Buffalo, sorry, the Rangers. I have a picture on my freaking Snapchat, I think it is from the very last game before the bubble pause in March of twenty twenty. Nazem Kadri took that pregame, took the morning skate in a red non contact jersey because he was out, and McKinnon was out, and Burakovsky. They had a ton of injuries and they still managed to beat the Rangers. I think JT Comfort was like your top-line center that game, and and he scored the overtime game winner, assisted by McCarr. So he did have a few injuries in that season, and then this year he played all 56 games. He was the only one, which was pretty cool.
0: Well, that was a fun little conversation. I like the comparison. Um, Let's stick to the present day and start looking into that St. Louis series. But first, got to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card from Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler. There will be no shortage of action in DraftKings Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of UFC has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt. Will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main fight. Just pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, you win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your Convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook.
1: Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. So who are you taking in a fight, Dan Heino or Carl Soderberg?
0: <laughs> I think I'd go Hino all day. I'd, K.O.s. I'd, I'd,
1: I'd turn a $1 dollar into a hundred dollars taking that bet all day.
0: Oh. Um, yeah, so let's get into the St. Louis series here. Uh, you know, I think it's throwing a different wrench in the whole thing with having already seen this team eight times this year, right? So how do you think that affects things? What do you expect to see? I mean, are you expecting the both teams to kind of stick to what works, stick to their systems and adjust later, or are they adjusting to what they'd seen in the regular season right out of the gate?
1: They're they're already adjusting and they just played four times over the last month uh, since that second pause that the avalanche had and, and, they're already adjusting. I mean, when I look at this series, I look at St. Louis and it kind of scares me. Because it does have uh it does have upset written all over it. But the crazy thing is when you look when you look around the NHL, every single playoff series has this. Like Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and the Islanders, Washington and Boston, you think any of those teams are going to look at the Avalanche and be like, Boo hoo, Crimea River, you gotta play the blues. Look what we have. Like every series almost has something like that. So if you're the Avalanche, if you're looking at the Blues, like I was saying, if, if you're just looking at it as an Avalanche Blue series, it looks a little scary to be like, the St. Louis Blues are a good team. Ryan O'Reilly does a pretty damn good job against the Avalanche. He does a really good job against Nathan McKinnon. In fact, he's one of the best centermen I've seen play against Nathan McKinnon.
0: Ryan O'Reilly is the reason I asked that question about the adjust- adjustments, because we all saw the quote from him last night, right? very confidently gonna- saying, we're, we're going to have
1: some fun, or we're going to beat them.
0: We're going to beat them. And that's what puts that, that thought in my head. Mm-hmm. Is like, Why is he so confidently saying that? Did, does St. Louis know something that we don't? Does St. Louis know, all right, these are the only adjustments we need to make, and we've got these guys locked? That's a, Yeah, that's they mass and that's a little bit a of fear number. I have.
1: They have a number one centerman in Ryan O'Reilly that knows who the Avalanche are, has played with McKinnon, has played with Landeskog. He brought Landeskog—he raised Gabe Landeskog. Landeskog got the captaincy in 2012, no disrespect to Gabe, because Ryan O'Reilly didn't have a contract. It's simple as that. Ryan O'Reilly was the captain of this team when Gabe was drafted. Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, he was a little bit less of the captain of this team when— McKinnon was drafted because that was right after the whole offer sheet fiasco and it kind of got awkward. But O'Reilly knows this team, number one. He's been one of, again, he's been one of the best centermen in the NHL where when Nathan McKinnon is matched up against him, O'Reilly does pretty damn good. Even though McKinnon can get some points, O'Reilly knows what he's doing against this team. He also has a Smythe trophy. They just did this two years ago where they got hot at the end of the season, went into the playoffs with an ugly record and won the cup. O'Reilly's like, yeah, we got this. Why should I be worried about this team? I just beat them a couple of weeks ago on national television. I won up Nathan McKinnon in a game where he had a couple goals. Well, I had a hat trick, I think it was. Yeah, he had a hat trick. Of course he's going to be confident. The dude is loaded with confidence. You see the way the guy dresses? The guy's had confidence since before he was drafted in the NHL. That's why he's such a stud, and everybody knows how much I love Ryan O'Reilly, but he does scare me. He scares me for that reason. He scares me because, not because of his confidence. It's nothing wrong with being confident. I mean, I'd expect Tyson Jost to, you know, come out and be like, yeah, we can win the series too. Like, there's no problem with that. But he scares me because of what he does on the ice and what he can do on the ice.
0: And of course, they. Oh. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, of course, they know what it takes to win in the playoffs, right? They've done it already yeah. once, and uh, they may not have the same personnel that they had before that might not be as equipped to win a Stanley Cup, but just simply knowing and having that mental fortitude of of getting through the playoffs, I think, is a big thing that the Avalanche just don't have, right? They're super young. Yeah. Right? Last night when we were at the game and the Avs were still down one nothing, and I'm looking up at the personnel on the ice, and I think it was Newhook with Comfort and and Nechuskin, and I'm thinking to myself... This game is going to be won by the youth. The young guys are going to have to do that. And I thought it was Newhook. In my head, I was like, this is going to be Newhook's breakout game. I think he's going to score, and he's going to be the guy. It ended up being Tyson Jost, but I wasn't yeah. wrong, right? It was still the, the youth of the team. But that, that's a big part of this team that doesn't have the, uh, I guess, just the wherewithal and the knowledge, the experience that the St. Louis Blues have deep into the playoffs.
1: So here's what I'm going to say to that. Number one, I agree with what you're saying, but it is a learning process. It is a growing process, and or process, as our favorite Canadian word is. And what we saw from the avalanche in the playoffs in 2020 in the bubble was a star-studded top of the lineup with McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Burakovsky, Kadri scoring all the goals and all the points. So now that you have depth added to that, and you have guys that are actually stepping up and Jost and, and Donskoy and even Burakovsky and a uh, missing one, JT Comfer, heating up right before the playoffs. Well, now you have the depth added to the fact that in big games, you know that McKinnon, and Landeskog, and Nazem Kadri on that second line are going to step up. And in 2020, everything changed. Because what they did in 2020 and the kind of points that those guys put up McKinnon had, I think it was 25 in 15 games. Kadri had five game-winning goals, 17 points. Berkowski had 17 points. Like, they put up a lot of points in 15 playoff games. So what that says to me is in game 56 for the President's Trophy with Jonas Johansson and Net playing against a very crappy L.A. Kings team, yeah, you know what? We're not going to hurt ourselves. We're going to make sure that we are playing very, very conservative to make sure we're healthy for the playoffs uh, because we are ranting in and Landis and obviously McKinnon didn't play Um But if you're Tyson Jost, you're still making $874,000 and you're hungry, you're hungry for a better contract, you're hungry for a bigger role, you're hungry for more points, you're going to go out and do it. So I do agree with you, the youth had to step up yesterday, but I don't think it's because the Avalanche's top dogs don't have the experience or the growth to do it, because what we saw last year was a massive step in their growth, and it's only going to get bigger from here.
0: I'm with that. I like that. Another... That's the
1: kind of question, really quickly, that Connor McDavid, the year that they made the playoffs, he wasn't even a point-per-game guy. Dryside'll let the team in play in scoring, and that was in 2017. That's a question that if you're an Oilers fan, you say, okay, McDavid just put up 100 and God knows what, four points in 56 games or something like that. Um, let's see him do it in the playoffs. I think he will, but it's still a question mark. The Avalanche, it's no longer a question mark. We've seen them do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And then uh, I feel like in a lot of years past, you see a team win the Stanley cup and then the next year they're kind of exhausted, which is what happened with St. Louis. Right. And they got bounced kind of early, but they haven't lost that, uh, that knowledge, that experience that they had from their cup run. They still remember it. So they're still hungry for it. So I think in their case, you know, how we talked all season long about the Avalanche, just get to the dance. I think in St. Louis, that's all their mindset was, right? Yeah. We just need to get there, and then we know what to do from there. So, yeah, again... Yeah, and
1: that's that's exactly the point.
0: Yeah, the experience uh, is what makes me super nervous about St. Louis.
1: That And that's exactly it. I mean, their their defense looks a little bit different because their top three is now Falk, Krug, and Pareko, and Falk and Krug were not there when they won the Cup. It was Petrangelo and Bommister, but... Again, dude, look at David Perron's numbers. I think the guy finished the year with fifty nine points in fifty six games. That dude does not age. He's such a good player. And then they still got the Jaden Schwartzs of the world, and they have all of this depth. They have Vince Dunn on defense. Jordan, everybody's pain in their ass. Bennington in goal. Like, it's it's a really good team. Uh, and I think the best way to explain it, I still think the Avalanche are going to win. Don't get me wrong. But I think the best way to explain that series is it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think.
0: All right. Well, that being said, let's get into it. What's your prediction for the series? How many games? And and obviously you think the Avs come out.
1: I'm going to say Avalanche in six, but I'm going to say it's a 2-2 series after game four. Not a 3-1 St. Louis gets one back. I'm going to say Avs in six, and it's a 2-2 series.
0: I like Avs in six too, and agreed. There's going to be a lot of adversity, maybe even a couple overtime games in there, right? Um, Like in
1: any... In any given point in 2018 against Nashville, did you feel like the Avalanche actually were going to win that series when Andrew Hammond had to steal a game?
0: No, you were just hoping they won a game in that series. Okay. Which they, got that,
1: they got that series to game six. Mm-hmm. That was a not close six-game series. What we're going to see against the St. Louis Blues is a close six-game series.
0: 100%. 100%. And it's going to be one moment later in the series, game four or five, that really defines it And. I think it's going to be from the avalanche. You're right. I think somebody's going to step up big. And suddenly what you thought was, oh, man, this is going to go to seven. It's going to break apart. And I think the Az do it in six. JT
1: Confer is going to win a faceoff in the defensive zone against Ryan O'Reilly. He's going to score and look at Ryan and say, we won this trade. And he's going to be like, I didn't even get traded
0: for you to St. Louis. (laughs) That was Buffalo, you idiot. (laughs) I'm anticipating, you know, something dramatic. Like we saw last year with Nazem Kadri in the play-in round or the play yeah. With the buzzer, you know, oh, something that like that. Beauty. That's kind of what I'm imagining. Something. Yeah.
1: Except it's going to mean a lot more than that. Yeah. Funky round yeah. robin. What a year of hockey it's been.
0: Oh, it's been a crazy year for sure. Um, but yeah, let's look around the rest of the NHL or is that all you want to get into on this series before we uh, look around the other playoffs that, I think that's a pretty good,
1: pretty good start for this for this series. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Avalanche win game one. They're pretty good at winning the first game. I actually saw a number that the Avalanche were top four in the NHL of uh, of the of the playoff teams uh, of winning their opening game of the playoffs. I think they were third, but the Blues were fourth, so somebody's gonna lose that first game. But I think it, the Avalanche are
0: gonna win. I know we talked at the top of the show about uh, the home ice advantage. And I know that the NHL rules on road trips are getting lighter for the playoffs, but I still think there's going to be some lingering, uh, you know, oh, man, we're back on the road. The road sucks this year. I really don't want to be on the road. And last night when we did our little post-game video, and I mentioned, you know, COVID has put a a different spin on home ice advantage. That's exactly what I meant, right? The, The guys traveling really don't like it anymore, and I just think, for the beginning of the playoffs, they're still going to have that negative feeling towards it and just really not enjoy being on the road. I think a lot of home teams are going to take care of business early, especially when you're the Avalanche and
1: you're sixteen zero and one in your last seventeen at Ball Arena. You're feeling pretty good about playing there. So yeah, I and know. after
0: going after going a year without fans, having those fans in there, I and think the fans the are going to almost th- double. It's going to be playoff atmosphere
1: plus almost double fans. It's going to be so much louder.
0: And it just feels like the Avalanche thrive on the energy in the building more than yeah. any other team in the NHL.
1: Yeah, I, I I can see that as well. The Avalanche are approved for 7,750 fans, 7,750. The Blues are approved for 9,000. So they're both going to get a nice little bump. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, the, the Blues are going to come to town. They're, they're going to be loosened restrictions. But it's, you know, Ryan O'Reilly is going to go on a bender because he knows where to go. But everybody else is, you know, just kind of kind of lay low.
0: And how does that compare to how many fans were in the building last night in game 56? They were still at 20%? Yeah, they were at four
1: thousand and fifty. So four zero five zero. It's going up to seven seven five oh.
0: And those four thousand and fifty fans were pretty loud. loud. You see the end of the game when Alan Roach
1: announced president's trophy and how they were oh man, that was so cool.
0: I also want to take a second to acknowledge just uh, you know, how into the game they were from the very beginning. Even when the abs were down, everybody was frustrated, like come on, come on, clock's ticking. You still had the crowd clapping for great breakouts clapping for great defensive plays just engaged fully engaged they know, they know what they have
1: see. they know what they have this year what they have is a team that's always like they don't lay they don't lay eggs this avalanche team doesn't lay eggs i mean in the beginning of the season they kind of had a wonky start but they don't really have a bad game anymore even when they lose like i, I keep referring to that overtime loss against vegas cuz that's the only one at ball arena in the last 75 days um They led that game early. Vegas tied it up. It got to overtime. I think, I forget who scored the overtime winner, but it was a flurry Grubauer battle. It was a two-to-one game. And that was a good loss. Like, you're going to lose games like that, but they don't lay eggs. And I think this team has started to realize just how good the the Avalanche are, and and I love it. And that moment at the end of the game, seeing how loud the fans were, as Alan Roach was saying, your president's trophy. That was when I turned to you and I was like, I can't freaking believe I live in Colorado and do this for a living. Like, it was such a cool moment. And that was with 20% fans, not even 18,000.
0: Well, let's get to the uh, rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's a lot to get into, a lot of uh, series. Is. So let's just do them quickly. Let's not bore everybody. All right. Also, I wanna, I'm to. i kind of curious. Do you remember your preseason predictions at all? I remember you did them. Yes. And I remember just simply saying, I agree with all those. How did you do?
1: I said Colorado versus Washington in the final. And I and I felt that okay. way, and it continued until, and we'll get into it when we get into the Washington series, but I felt that way until about three weeks ago when the Capitals' goaltending got even worse, and apparently Kuznetsov is is on their shit list, and they're going to trade him now. They're pissed off. Ovechkin's been hurt for the last couple weeks. They're, the Capitals' season kind of ended wonky, and I think that hurts them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the whole Tom Wilson incident, right? And that really kind of distracted. And that, too. I,
1: yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that being said, let's get into that series first. Caps versus Bruins, who you got? I got Boston because ever since they got Taylor Hall, they look like a good team.
1: Uh, Tukaraz has got to be healthy. I like their backup, but I go Bruins over the Capitals in the first round.
0: I'm going to bounce around on you. We're not going in order, all right? Okay. Vegas versus Minnesota.
1: (sighs) Uh, I really want to say Minnesota because they've played Vegas hard all season. And when Darren Pang, who, by the way, is going to be your guest on the hockey show
0: tomorrow, I saw a little exchange between him and Ryan Bolding on Twitter. Dang, I just found out about that like five minutes ago. I can't believe you really? knew that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know me. I'm on Twitter all the time. Yeah. Uh, Darren Pang was on Hockey Central a couple weeks ago for Sportsnet, and and they asked him, who would you rather play if you're St. Louis? And he said, we'd rather play Vegas. We're scared of the avalanche. And then I remember looking at the Minnesota Wild guy, and they asked the Minnesota Wild guy, and he said, we'd rather play Vegas because they play so much better against Vegas, and they do. So I I really want to say Minnesota, and it wouldn't surprise me, but if the Avalanche and Blues are going 6 for Colorado to win, Vegas and Minnesota is going 7, and Vegas will win.
0: I'm going to differ with you on that one. I agreed with Boston. I think Vegas in 5. Pittsburgh versus the Islanders. I hate
1: that I'm saying this because it's going to come back and bite me in the ass because the Islanders always do this, but I'm going to go Pens.
0: Man, I can't disagree with you there. I, I mean, ever since, you know, they had a rough start to their season, f- the GM left. They replaced him with Burke and uh Hextall. Hextall. They've been, they've so been different. Better. They've been different. And it's it's crazy because obviously that's nothing that the GMs did. It was just maybe that wake-up call that hey, we're we're messing up. This guy left because of us. Let's figure some stuff out. I'm Sidney Crosby. I'm the best, well, I used to be the best player in the world. Let's let's pull this stuff together so you know and like i was saying with the st louis experience against the avalanche pittsburgh has the experience and new york as as fun as they are well they're not fun to watch but as fun of a story as they are right they're not the best team but you know the way they play really creates a, a but they, awesome product.
1: They're such a playoff hockey team, and Barry Trotz is such a playoff hockey coach. Man. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like you said, Pittsburgh started slow, but Tristan Jari really picked it up. He ended up at the top of the list. I think he was like the third or fourth most wins for goalies behind Grooby and, and Flurry and Vasilevsky. I think it was. Um But Chris Latang's had a great year on defense. Malkin had a had a slow start, was injured for a while, came back. Crosby has been great. Brian Rust has a ton of points. Jacob Gensel's operating at a point per game. They just got a lot of good guys on that team, and I, I, again, I'm going to regret saying this because I feel like the Islanders are going to be like, screw you guys, we're going to sweep
0: them like we did two years ago, but I'm going to go pens, yeah. Sorry, Varley. I'm with you, though, Arif. (laughs) Um, Let's move to what I'm calling the mullet series, the Battle of Florida, the Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. (sighs) Man. I'm honestly... I'm gonna do it. I'm going for it, Arif. I'm picking the Panthers here. You think so? I just think Tampa Bay's bruised and battered, right? Like They're, I said with St. Louis before. You you win a cup, the next year you tend to be too beat up and too tired, and you you don't do much.
1: Here's the biggest thing for that. Nikita Kucherov is coming back in the playoffs after not having played for a while. Sure. Let's go back to the 2001 Avs. I know we said we we're gonna do this quick, but Peter Forsberg stopped playing in the in the second round of the 0-1 series missed the entire regular season of the O2 playoff of the O2 season came back in the playoffs even though the Avalanche only went 3 rounds he led the NHL in scoring in the playoffs even though the Red Wings and the Hurricanes were in the final is Nikita Kucherov going to come back and be a Peter Forsberg or is he going to come back and be Rusty ruin the dynamic of the team ruin the chemistry of the team because let's face it when Nikita Kucherov's coming in the lineup it's not Carl Soderberg losing you know jumping off the fourth line somebody in a top role is going to get lowered And it's going to continue down the food chain. That's the thing that concerns me about them. I want to go Florida too. And the Quinville versus Cooper is going to be a goalie nightmare for a coaching nightmare. Because I feel like them two are going to be coaching for who coaches team Canada in 2022. And that's going to be fun. Uh, It would be so much easier to pick Florida if Aaron Ekblad was healthy. But I think I'm going to do it too. I'm going to take Florida. All right. I like, write, write these down, write these down so we can make sure that we're, we're checking on ourselves. I've got them. Weeks.
0: We're on, we're on the same page with everything, but one so far. So that Beautiful. takes us to the North. We're going Edmonton, Winnipeg next. Edmonton and McDavid's going to score 64 points in that six game series. I'm with you. I think you'd like to believe that the jets are better than they've shown, but they've done that for the last couple seasons now. Right. Just hoping that hella saves their day every night. And, uh, yeah, the Oilers. Hellebook will do a great job
1: of shutting down the Edmonton Oilers, except for McDavid and Drysidle. Right. And then someone's got to get the
0: secondary assist, so Tyson Berry's going to get a lot of points. And I think, you know, McDavid and Drysidle are going to have an exceptional playoff because, you know, it's been a while since they could really be there, they're hungry, first of yeah. all. Yeah, and they're, they're hungry to prove that, yeah, we are a legitimate team. We missed the playoffs a couple times. Oops. But, no, we're good. You don't have to give up on us just yet.
1: Yeah, so I, uh, I, I'm i definitely going to Oilers there probably in five games, honestly, unless Hellebuck steals a second game like Andrew Goodall-Hammond. But I'm going to go for sure Edmonton.
0: I think we'll probably agree on this next one too, sticking up north, Toronto-Montreal. Toronto in three.
1: <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with the Maple Leafs. I know Carey Price did a thing and he beat the Penguins last year, but Toronto is just a far better team. I'm going to go with Maple Leafs in five games. Yep, with you.
0: I think Maple Leafs come out of the north, don't you? I think so too, yep. And then finally, i sure we'll agree on this one too, Hurricanes versus the Predators. The
1: Predators are kind of like the Blues. They're going in hot, really freaking hot. Uh,
0: but I'm sorry, Matt Duchesne, it's it's not going to happen. Yep, I'm with you. So we differ on ev- on, no, we're the same on everything but one. I like it.
1: What was that one again?
0: Pittsburgh? No. Vegas? No. Shoot, I forgot. (laughs) I told you to write them down, Dan. I got to go back and listen. You know, I'm not going to write them down. Um, Hold on. Let me pull it up. Pull it up. Caps, Bruins. We we had Bruins. Vegas, Wild. I had Vegas. Pens, Isles. I had Pens. Is that the one? Did you take the Islanders? No, I I took Pens. Panthers, Bolts. So did we agree on everything? I think we we, agreed on everything. Are are you taking the Blues or the Avalanche? I'm taking the Avalanche. Okay, then we're good. Yeah, we're, we're eight for
1: eight. I think we—no, we disagreed on the fact that I said Minnesota-Vegas is going to be a tough series, and you said it's going to be Vegas in five.
0: Okay. I guess we didn't disagree that hard then. Yeah. That's nice. I like when we're on the same page and not yeah. not giving each I, other I shit. I like
1: when we have 30, 30 seconds in a podcast of people going, dude, you didn't disagree on anything, because they just listened to it.
0: <laughs> uh, well, that's all we really have on the docket. Um. Anything else you want to get out there before we wrap it up, like we always do with our Mile High Sports Three Stars of the Week? Uh, I just want to mention, if you guys,
1: uh, JJ, just referenced it a couple minutes ago, but the video that we did yesterday. So, assuming that the uh, COVID protocols and the and the press box allows us to both be at games, you will be seeing a lot of videos, hopefully from you know not ice level, but you know in the actual rink and not hiding somewhere behind the press box in the future. But we're going to be doing a lot of those post game videos. Throughout the playoffs, whether it's by myself with JJ or maybe even JJ by himself, we're going to try to get that content out there. So share it, like it. As JJ says, tell your friends, tell your mom's friends, tell your friends' moms, tell everybody. <laughs> Watch those videos, share them. Uh, we're going to up the content like hell. Keep on catching my Dean's list. Shout out to everybody who's been sharing those. Those are getting a ton of clicks, game stories. I'll be doing a couple features. Uh, my sources say good old Terry Fry is going to write a couple things for our website too, so catch him as well. Ryan Bolding does his weekly thing, the hockey show, Hockey Mountain High. Ton of content coming your way from Mile High Sports. And unlike everybody else in Denver, Mile High Sports is free. So you don't need any money. You just need to go to
0: milehighsports.com. Yeah, it's time to strap in. It's playoff time. It's what we've all been waiting for. So, you know, this is where we're going to kick it up a notch and, and really try to get you as much free content as possible. Yeah, as you mentioned, tomorrow on the hockey show, not only – is Darren Pang coming on, but we're also going to have John Mitchell aboard to break down the uh, playoffs from the Avalanche perspective. So we're getting both views here. That's,
1: that's awesome. And uh, I don't know if you saw the email today about the playoffs, but there's going to be limited media availability at Family Sports Center for those practices. So
0: maybe we can actually get back to the practice ring for the first time in a year and a half. I love it. I love it. Let's let's get it going. So that brings us to our Mile High Sports 3 Stars of the Week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app. I wanted to throw in the Avalanche fans in the third star, but I think there are a few players that deserve it more. But I did want—I already did it waited, a couple minutes totally ago. But I wanted to shut acknowledge our fans them. down. Yeah, I wanted to acknowledge I, the fans, how great they. You were guys last are my.
1: You, yeah, you guys are my number one star. Don't listen to
0: him. Please keep pressing on our podcast and clicking and listening. Whatever, Eric. You're the one that built the three stars of the week this week. Star number three. <laughs> Presented by DraftKings
1: Sportsbook, not me. We're
0: going to JT Comfer for his hat trick, and, you know, it's just good to see him finally get a hat trick. I think it's been a long time since he got one. I think it was, what, January 2020, so um, not only good to see him score a hat trick, but just scoring goals in general.
1: Yeah, and uh, a hat trick plus, and I know we recorded and, and already talked about this on the last episode, but... The game-winning goal in a very important game midway through the third period against Vegas that the Avalanche needed to win in regulation, and they did.
0: Good point. And that's what locked up their opportunity to win the President's Trophy. Good point. Storybook stuff here. Um, Star number two. I think we gave him star number three last week, so he's bumping up one. Tyson Jost. Two-goal game. Attaboy, Tyson. Just stepping up and and actually being clutch. Do you remember
1: my reaction when he shot that shot to score that goal yesterday?
0: Which one? The first goal?
1: Yeah, yeah. the laser. And I looked, I was like, that was Tyson? <laughs> that was the best shot he's ever taken in his career. And I like literally was like, that was not Tyson.
0: That was a rocket. It, was. it looked like an
1: Andre Burakovsky a, wrister. Just, yeah, that's exactly my point, is it looked like someone who does it all the time. That wasn't what I thought Joes can do. But holy crap, what a shot and what a game he had. And he's fired up. And shout out to him showing up on Zoom wearing a President's Trophy shirt that looked like it was two sizes too big (laughs) and was, you know, given to him on a giveaway. But, you know, the Avalanche took an extra minute to get onto the Zoom press conference after the game yesterday. And they came out renting it and Jost wearing these, you know, President's Trophy shirts. And I'm like, oh, great. They already had
0: those made. Nice. So Tyson Jost makes the Mile High Sports three stars a week, two weeks in a row. And what's been the common denominator with, with his game in those two weeks? Scoring. And playing with better players, right? Maybe he's just the type of guy that needs the opportunity to play better minutes and with, with more quality guys, and he suddenly starts to produce a little bit because in years past we've been frustrated with him, but he's also been buried on the third and fourth lines. Maybe he just is that guy.
1: Well, Tyson, and I'll say the same thing to you, Alex Newhook, Brandon Saad and Nazem Kadri <laughs> aren't going to be here forever, so there's a couple spots on that top six that you two can take on together and really grow into a pair with, with you know, probably Burakovsky.
0: Seize it, seize it. Um, brings us to yes. star number one. Me. Mi- he also was on our Ko three stars Rantanen. last week. Mi-ko Rantanen. Miko Rantanen. I think he probably leads the team in being on the Mile High Sports three stars of the week this season.
1: Okay, so Miko needed five point, four points in the last two games of the season that McKinnon did not play in to tie Nathan McKinnon in points. Well, he got five, and they were all assists. Miko Rantanen is your Colorado Avalanche 2001 leader in goals and in points, and no Avalanche player has led the team in points not named Nathan McKinnon since our old friend-turned-sour enemy Matt Duchesne in 2015-16. Every year, Jared Bednar has been coach. Nathan McKinnon has led the team in points until this year. Shout out Ranton Rantanen, 30 goals, 66 points. Just an unbelievable season for him, and he did it in less than 56 games.
0: Was uh, that season of Matt Duchesne that you're referring to, was that the year when he scored his 30th goal in a loss he celebrated and Waugh just ripped him?
1: Big cheer. What's that? <laughs> Matt Duchesne, Big. The funny thing is about Patrick waugh he went into that press conference going, I'm burying this motherfucker. Yep. Because nobody even asked him a question. They're like, hey, Patrick, how was Varley and Net Matt Duchesne, big cheer. What's that? <laughs> like, he has nothing to do with Duchesne, and he just wanted nothing more than to bury this kid.
0: I remember that Man. well. I was sitting in well, that room, and I it was, oh, you were there? Those, yeah, it was one of those days where the media doesn't really want to ask Patrick Waugh a question, right? And you heard it from Gabe Landeskog on Spitting Chicklets. Like, it's nice with Betsy around now that you don't have a coach who one day is – you know in a 10 out of 10 mood and the next day he's in a one out of 10 mood and that's exactly (sighs) how it was with Patrick Law and it just makes you think I mean last night at the game winning that president's trophy I looked back at my seven years covering the team and just just dumbfounded by the difference that we've seen the growth and the ability to go I mean just all Jared Bednar right the ability to go from nothing to something that quickly is just that moment so fun
1: That moment when they won that game and and everybody was cheering the president's trophy, all I sit back to is the years of watching the final game of the year in my mom's basement. Game 82 in 2018, Mm -hmm. I remember cheering my ass off for that game. The final game of 2019, the game where Eric Johnson uh, clinched their playoff spot with that overtime goal against Winnipeg, if you remember, in 2019— uh, 2017, 2016, watching year after year, 2014, watching the Boudreaux and and Bruce Boudreaux, Patrick Wah thing at Pepsi Center where he brought the house down on, on the other coach. And I was like, all of that was fun, but this is the actual thing. Mm-hmm. I'm watching a team that just won the President's Trophy that is going to be one of the Stanley Cup favorites, might go on a long run, like it just all came full circle. To see the growth that the teams had is just crazy. Going back to those years,
0: yeah, I think that of all the me, uh, I think of all the uh, jersey off of our back nights, right? And yeah, all that oh, season, you are like, oh man, these guys. You know, while this is cool I, and that they're meeting fans yeah. and giving Here's jerseys, here is Raymond, really pissed Raymond
1: Masias, and Sean Bell, and all these guys in twenty eleven <laughs> that ended the season. Oh, and there is a legend named Adam Foot. By the way, it's his last game. He just killed a guy in the corner, and the ref <laughs> called seven penalties on it, but he didn't call a single penalty on it because it was Adam Foot. But at the end of the game, I asked Jared Bedner, and I said. Jared, the last couple of games we've talked to four players that have had big nights. It was J.T. Comfer, it was Miko Rantanen on Wednesday, and then it was Tyson Jost. and And help me out here. No, it was Tyson Jost and Miko Rantanen on Thursday, and it was J.T. Comfer and Gabe Landeskog on Wednesday. I said every single one of these guys had a big game in these two games you needed to win to lock up the President's Trophy, and they are four of these six guys, seven if you include E.J. with McKinnon and. Carl soderberg it's a technicality, that were on the team in 2017. How crazy is it to see the growth and resiliency these guys have had? And Bettner just said, I love it. Like, I love it, and Tyson Joe sticks out to me. Like, it's just crazy to see what those guys have been through. Joe Sackick had to remake the roster, but Jost, Comfer, Gabe Landeskog, Mikko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, Eric Johnson, and then Carl Soderbergh's a technicality because he left and came back those guys were here in twenty seventeen and those guys are going into the playoffs president's trophy winners.
0: Yeah, and I think back to when Landiscog was almost traded, when everything was a mess and I want to be here. I don't want to go. Everybody's stuck then, with it. And yeah, last night I don't want to go. At the end of the game, the whoever runs the camera that is on the Jumbotron goes right to Gabe Landiscog and you just see the look on his face of like disbelief, right? I can't believe we're here. Yeah. Still focused. Right. This isn't the goal at hand, but just the the what they've been through in the last seven years, 28
1: is, years old, 28 years old. He got drafted just, at 19. He got drafted at 18 and turned 19 shortly thereafter. And he's 28 years old. He's got two kids. He's been through it all. He's seen it all. And he just won the president's
0: trophy as a captain. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm out of words. I'm just so proud of this. These are the storybooks.
1: This is, remember yeah. the mission accomplished video? This These are the storybooks that lead to that final pinnacle. And the thing is, when you look at this, Washington had these kind of moments seven, eight, nine years ago and didn't win the cup till 2018. Tampa Bay's had them since 2015 and didn't win the cup till 2020. Are the avalanche going to be that or is it going to happen quicker?
0: The hardest part is just getting started, isn't it?
1: It's yeah, that's the crazy part. In the last couple of years they've had good playoff runs, but look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. They made the playoffs in 07 for the first time in a while. They made it to the finals in 08, they won in 09. It was that fast. A 21-year-old Sidney Crosby lifted the cup in 09 after losing it as a 20-year-old the year before. Is it going to be that fast or is it going to be a Washington step by step, by step where Alex Ovechkin's got gray hair holding up the cup? So that's kind of going to be the thing to 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 see now what happens is how fast can they do it
0: i hope kale mccarr is not gray by the time they lift up
1: that cup oh geez that would (laughs) suck and then you got teams like san jose that just never
0: did it it's crazy yeah or teams like toronto that take what 61 years to even get back to it make this yeah
1: (laughs) to get to the second
0: round so that'll do it uh right on good preview show i'm excited for monday and i'm excited to break down the rest of the playoffs with you and our listeners right
1: yeah, and it's it's Friday right? Wow, it's Friday night right now, and that's probably why I can't talk. It's almost eleven o'clock p.m., and for once, JJ, we are recording a podcast where the Avalanche aren't playing the next day because they actually have time to breathe, and so do we. Granted, we're doing a podcast tonight. You're doing the hockey show tomorrow. We got a ton of things coming out before they play Monday night, Ball Arena, eight p.m., seven thousand seven hundred and fifty fans. If you are going to be at games, well, now is the time. Start shooting me some messages. JJ and I will come down. We'll say hi to you during one of the intermissions or something. Uh, Let's have some fun. Playoff hockey's back, baby. And it's at Ball Arena.
0: It's pom-pom season. Let's
1: go. I love those things.
0: Someone steal me one of those. I want to take one home. I love those things. Back in 01, I was such a loser. I went to one game in every single round. And I would wait till after the game, and people who left their pom-poms have beer spilled all over them. I'm like, oh, yes, score, free pom-poms. And with every what win. You, like 14, 15? I think I was in eighth grade, so whatever that puts me in. Uh, 13? Yeah, I was 13. And with every win, I would put a pom-pom. So by the end of it, I had 16 pom-poms around That's my door badass. frame. But it was kind of gross, because like I said, they were like recycled nasty pom-poms, but nasty. I love it. I love the pom-poms, and I love that's a thing here in Colorado, try to make it look like an avalanche. Hopefully with the half capacity, it looks like it normally does, and we get a bunch of pom-poms waving, and...
1: You know what they're going to do, right? They're going to put a pom-pom on every seat regardless. You think? I think so, just to have that white look around the rink. I think so. So It would be nice. We'll see. That's... It's and pretty that expensive. Way it can be very easy for somebody know. to steal one for me. There's 11,000 empty seats. Someone get me a damn pom pom to the press
0: box, please. <laughs> I don't know if that's in the crunky budget, but um, time to wrap True. it up. We've gone long, but they barely bring us food lately. Warranted. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're falling apart here, Eric. Right, it's, <laughs> it's 11 o'clock at night. Let's end it. <laughs> if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. We'll see you, you in the playoffs. I don't know how I made it this far. Hockey's for everyone, and we out you. See. You.